thanks for tuning in this week to Cross Connection Church Houston. We're a small church plant located in the Pasadena area. It is our mission to save the lost, to equip the saved, to serve both the lost and the saved, and finally to send the equipped. To this end, we teach through the Bible on a verse-by-verse basis, starting from the beginning of a book and working our way through all the way till the end. It is our prayer that you would grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ through his word. Second Corinthians, and uh, in 1 Corinthians, Paul dealt with 11 problems that the Corinthians had, and many people read that letter, responded positively, and dealt with the issues that they were struggling with, but there was a group within Corinth that did not respond well. They responded poorly by first ignoring the letter that Paul wrote, but going beyond that, they said, you know what, you didn't even have the authority to rebuke us, the authority to challenge us, the authority to tell us these things. And so they kind of got upset with Paul doing that. And so Paul responds by writing this second letter to defend his apostleship and authority uh, and to deal with some other issues that he wanted to address. Uh, so 2 Corinthians is actually one of Paul's most personal letters. As we study through this, you'll see him share a lot of things about his own ministry, about his own calling, about his own life uh, that you don't see in a majority of his letters. So it's very personal. He wrote this letter around 56 AD. It was after he spent the three years in Ephesus. Uh, He goes and he writes this letter to the Corinthians. Uh, And here's the outline that we're going to use as we study through this. I broke our outline into three different sections because there are three main things that Paul uh, deals with in this letter. The first section I titled Comfort because that's the major theme of the first seven chapters. We see this word comfort come 13 times in the first seven chapters, and there are are many different aspects of comfort that Paul addresses, comfort in suffering, comfort in restoring a believer who's sin sin, uh, comfort in the new uh, covenant, comfort in trials, comfort in death, comfort in all things, uh, and also comfort in repentance. The second section I titled Collection, uh, because the main theme of chapters 8 and 9 is on giving, and the reason I didn't title it Giving is because you'll notice the main themes start with C to help you remember them. So Collection is there, but he starts with a, an example of giving, an exhortation to give, an explanation on giving, and then final, uh, finally an encouragement to give. And the third section I titled Calling, because chapters 10 through 13, Paul is really dealing with and defending his calling as an apostle, his calling of what God has placed him to do in ministry. And so in this section, uh, Paul gives us the authentication of his apostleship, the vindication of his apostleship, the revelation of his apostleship, the execution of his apostleship, and the conclusion of his apostleship. So this is the outline. This is what we're going to be studying. The purpose of this is to kind of help you to see where we're going, to remind you of where we've come, uh, and hopefully just to be a help to you in general. Now, we already looked at the background information of Corinth as we studied through 1 Corinthians, and so we're not going to go into those details. If you weren't here for that, you can go to the website and you can listen to the details of the city of Corinth and the sinful issues that they had. But we're going to jump into uh, the introduction and the first thing that Paul deals with, which is comfort and suffering here in chapter 1. And so let's start 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in all Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as you study through any of Paul's letters, you'll notice that the introductions that he give are often very similar. Uh, he likes to deal with the fact that he starts with his calling as an apostle who gave him that calling uh, and a greeting to those he is writing to. And sometimes we just kind of speed through that. Okay, I've read this before in another letter that Paul has written. But this introduction is very important to uh, the Corinthians because it's a reminder of something that they are struggling with. And he starts with this reality that, hey, I am an apostle. Because many are saying, you didn't have the authority to write 1 Corinthians and rebuke us for all those things we were doing wrong. And so he's reminding them, I am an apostle, and it's not by my will, or it's not by some man's will, it's by the will of God. He's the one who has established me in this role. He's the one who has given me this authority. And so as they listen to this letter, they should recognize, you know, this is coming from God. This isn't just Paul's opinion. This isn't 
imagined is what Paul is sharing. And as we approach any book of the Bible, it's always important to remember it's inspired by God. It's God's words to us, not just the opinion of the author, but the opinion of God himself. And so we should take very seriously the things that are written in this letter and in all of Scripture. And so Paul addresses this, and then he shares with us who he's writing to, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in all Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is writing to those in Corinth, but as you see from this map, Corinth is in the region of Achaia, and so he's not just addressing those believers in Corinth. He's saying, hey, to all the saints who are in this region, this is to you as well. I want to encourage you with this letter too, and obviously for us who are studying through it, uh, it's for us as we look at it as well. And so that's the introduction that Paul gives, and he moves straight into something that uh, the timing, I think, is very fitting for us with what we are dealing with, and Paul is going to deal with comfort in suffering. And let's see what he has to share here in chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Paul starts off here, he says, bless. He wants to praise God for something specific about God. And the thing that he blessed God for is the fact that the God is a God of all comfort. The fact that God is a God of all comfort is a very wonderful thing for us as Christians. It should encourage us. It should bring lots of uh, blessing to us. This Greek word here translated comfort is paraklesis. Uh, it means to console, exhort, strengthen, encourage, and comfort. Now, something I find interesting is you'll see this Greek word throughout the Bible, and we see it with all the parts of the Trinity. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here, we see it connected with the Father, God the Father of all comfort. If you look uh, in John chapter 15, you see the same Greek word connected with the Comforter, which is referring to the Holy Spirit that the Father is going to send to us. And so we have the same word there. In 1 John 2, we have this Greek word connected with Jesus the Comforter, and so we have the whole triune God who is the God of comfort who comes to comfort each one of us, and so this is something that is an encouragement, I hope, to you. But I want you to note this Greek word here. It means to console, exhort, strengthen, encourage, and comfort. And I love this because we serve a God that not only consoles us when we go through difficulty and hard times, but he also exhorts us, and he also encourages us, and he gives us the strength that we need to get through the difficulties that we face. You know, see, oftentimes when we're around people who are going through hard times, we really just console them, but we don't comfort them in the way in which Paul is speaking of here. An example of that would be going to a funeral. And when you go to a funeral, you know, you want to comfort the people who have just lost a loved one. And so you express how sorry you are for their loss. You might come and give them a hug and, and even cry with them. But, but really all those things are just consoling them. And what I want you to see is the comfort that God brings to us is more than just consoling. Consoling is a great thing to do, but there's more that Paul wants us to realize that God goes beyond that. He doesn't just know what you're going through and give you a hug. He encourages you. He exhorts you. He strengthens you. I'm going to get you through this. I'm going to give you what you need to get through the difficulty that you're facing. So Paul is saying, blessed be the God of all comfort. This is something that I praise you for, that I serve this God who is there to comfort me in my trials, to comfort me in my difficulties. And notice where Paul emphasizes where God comforts us. He says, who comforts us in our tribulation. Now, this Greek word translated tribulation is quite a broad meaning. It means affliction, trouble, anguish, persecution, burden, distress, oppression, and tribulation. So Paul wants us to understand we serve a God who is a God of all comfort. He exhorts. He encourages. He strengthens. He comforts us in all of our 
tribulations, when we're going through trouble, when we're in anguish, when we're going through persecutions and distress and opposition and tribulation, God is there to comfort us. And I think this is such good news for us right now as a fellowship who are facing the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey and the difficulties that it brings. It's brought affliction. It's brought anguish. It's brought distress. It's brought trouble. But you know what? We serve the God of all comfort who comforts us in the midst of difficulty just like we're dealing with. And not only does God console, He exhorts, He encourages and he strengthens us in it. Paul also shares with us one of the reasons God does this, and I think this is so important for us because we love the fact that God brings comfort to us personally, but he does something with that comfort. He, he desires us to respond with this. Notice what he says, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. One of the reasons that God gives you comfort in the trials and the situations that you are dealing with is so that you will take the comfort that you have received and that you will give it to others. That you will go to people who are dealing with similar situations and you will tell them, hey, I want to encourage you with how God has gotten me through this, how God has comforted me in this, and I want to encourage and comfort you as well. You know, oftentimes when we go through some really difficult time, we think nothing good can come from this. We looked at this last week of of the positive things that can come through trials and suffering, but our initial response is oftentimes, what good can come out of losing your home, or what good can come from these things that we're dealing with? And something good that can always come through going through trials is that you now have the opportunity to comfort others with the comfort that God has given you to get through that time. You see, we have a unique ability to comfort others when we ourselves have already been comforted. And it's a unique ability because you can't comfort people in the same way when you haven't gone through what they've gone through. You know, you can bring comfort and encouragement in a certain way, but there's a greater depth of comfort that comes when you can tell them, I have been where you're at, I have gone through what you're going through, and let me encourage you, God was with me, and he strengthened me, and he got me through to the other side, and I can look back and see how he did all these things. There is a much greater comfort that comes from that, that they can relate to you and realize somebody's gone through this, someone's made it through the other side successfully, and it's so encouraging to hear that, as opposed to you just being able to say, you know what, I don't know what you're going through. I've never experienced this, but you know, I want to comfort you. And they appreciate that you're there and that you love them, but there's something different about you having dealt with it and been given uh, God's comfort through it. And you can then bring that to them because oftentimes all we're doing is consoling. We don't get to really bring the exhortation and the encouragement and the strength if we haven't gone through it. But when we've gone through it, all of a sudden, we can do more than just console. We truly get to bring comfort to people who are going through the things that we go through as well. You know, Jenny and I saw this very clearly after we had two miscarriages. And, you know, one of the ways that God comforted us, I mean, you go through something like that and you got everybody who cares about you wanting to pray for you and encourage you. But there was a different level of comfort when people called us and people spoke with us and people sat down with us. And you know what? We've had miscarriages as well. And this is what the Lord taught us. And this is how the Lord got us through this. And, you know, it was just a greater depth of comfort to hear, you know what we're going through you've experienced it yourself, and now you're getting to encourage us with what God did. And then all of a sudden, we found as well, because being in ministry, you know, many people have miscarriages, and we tried to minister to people who had miscarriages before we ever did. And really, all we were able to do was console them. You know, we we come alongside, we want to pray, we want to encourage, we want to do what we can, but there was a greater depth now that we were able to give and a level of comfort once we experienced that, and God got us through that and now we were able to say you know what we do know what you're going through we have experienced that but let us share with you what the Lord was able to do in us and through us to get us through this and there's a, just a, a greater amount of comfort that you can bring because you've been through those things Alan Redpath a, a great teacher and commentator he said this 
Personally, I would rather have the spiritual gift of bringing life to one broken heart than the ability to preach a thousand sermons. Now, he's someone who is viewed as one of the greatest teachers in the church, and yet he just sees the recognition of, you know what, there's just something so amazing to come and bring life to brokenhearted people. And one of the ways that we get to do that, it's such a privilege to be able to come alongside of someone who's brokenhearted and actually bring comfort to them, but you know what, we have that great depth to be able to do that because we've experienced it, because we've gone through it. And oftentimes we wonder, man, what is ever going to come good out of this suffering? Well, the good thing is, you know what, because God gets you through the suffering, you can then go alongside of someone else and help them and comfort them when they go through a similar suffering that you did. So God oftentimes allows us to go through suffering so that we can encourage others and build others up and comfort them. So as you're dealing with the difficulties and the effects of Hurricane Harvey, remember God wants to comfort you. He's there for you, not just to console you, but to encourage you, to strengthen you, to get you through this time. And you have a unique ability now as God works in your life to be able to encourage others who are going through similar things. Well, now Paul's going to share another wonderful thing about God's comfort when it comes to suffering. Notice what he says in verse 5. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. This Greek word consolation, that is, or it's translated consolation, it's the same word that was just translated comfort. Uh, and so we have the same thing, the same word, the same meaning to console, exhort, strengthen, encourage, and comfort. And so what Paul is saying here is that when your suffering abounds, when your suffering gets worse, there's something wonderful that God does. His comfort also abounds. His comfort gets greater. And so you have kind of this scale, so to speak, of the suffering gets worse, but you know, and we think, oh, now the comfort's not going to be enough. But God says, no, as the suffering grows, my comfort grows. And there's always enough comfort, no matter how difficult the times get, no matter how much the suffering increases, my comfort will also increase and abound to give you all that you need to get through what you're struggling with. And so when the insurance company gives you a hard time and is not giving you what you want and you're stressing over that, remember, you know what? The comfort of God is there to help me get through it. As you're trying to rebuild your home and day after day it just gets old and it's hard and the emotions are coming and you're thinking, man, when is this ever going to end? And it's just starting to increase the suffering. Remember, God's comfort will also increase to help you get through it. I hope that is an encouragement to you. Well, now Paul is once again going to speak about how the comfort that we receive can be given to others. And he's going to use his life and the life of the Corinthians as an example of that. Verse 6. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you partake of the suffering, so you will also partake of the consolation. So Paul here is sharing that, you know, I have lots of afflictions, lots of struggles because I follow Jesus and we've read through Acts and we saw so much of what Paul went through just because he was preaching the gospel and trying to reach people for Christ. And he suffered a lot for that. And he's bringing up this reality of, you know what, every time I suffered, I had God's comfort that was brought. And this brings encouragement to the Corinthians. Because the Corinthians, like many of the churches that Paul planted, were also suffering because of preaching the gospel and living for Jesus. And so as they see Paul, and he goes through all these difficulties and sufferings, but yet the comfort of God is with him in the midst of it. And as the sufferings grow, so does the comfort. It brings them comfort because they look and they see, if God can comfort Paul through what he's going through, That gives me confidence that God can comfort me as I deal with this as well. Paul's suffering for proclaiming Jesus. And so as I suffer for proclaiming Jesus, I can be confident that when God gives Paul comfort, he'll also give me comfort. And Paul is bringing up this reality and says, Our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you will partake of the comfort. You know, Paul knew something very important. 
that God would comfort the Corinthian believers because God was comforting him when he suffered. When God comforts us, it brings us to a place of confidence that we don't have before that. There's this confidence that, you know what, God got me through it, and I am confident he can get you through it as well. But when we've never gone through it and God's never got us through it, it's really hard when we approach someone because we want to encourage them and say, hey, God's going to get you through this. God's going to give you the strength. God's going to help you. And, you know, we know that the Bible says that, but sometimes there's not a real belief in that, not a real confidence in that because we haven't dealt with that and we're not sure if God's going to do it. But when you've gone through something and God's got you through it and you've seen and you look back and you see all that God's done, there's a confidence that says, hey, I know God will get you through it because look what he did in my life. Look how he brought me through this. And that kind of comfort is so much more comforting because it's not just kind of, I hope he does something. I don't know if he really will versus I have great confidence that God's going to move through you and get you through this because he's done it in my life. He's helped me get through it and I know that he'll do that for you as well. John Henry Jowett, a British preacher in the late 1800s, he said this, God does not comfort us to make us comfortable, but to make us comforters. One of the main reasons God brings comfort into our life is so that we can bring comfort to others. One of the main reasons we want comfort from God is because we just want to be comfortable. We don't want any more problems. We don't want any more suffering. We don't want any more difficulties. But oftentimes God says, you know, I'm bringing this not just to make you comfortable. I want you to be a comforter to others. I want you to take what I've done in your life and go share with others and be there to help them. It's not just for you. It's for you to use what God has done to minister to others. You know, as I was studying, I came across a poem titled Pressed, uh, and it describes how difficulties of life press you in all these different ways, but it also encourages where that pressing should ultimately lead us as followers of Jesus, and I wanted to read that for you. It says this, pressed out of measure and pressed to all length, pressed so intensely it seems beyond strength, pressed in the body and pressed in the soul. Pressed in the mind till the dark surges roll. Pressed by foes and pressure from friends. Pressure on pressure till life nearly ends. Pressed into knowing no helper but God. Pressed into loving the staff and the rod. Pressed into living a life in the Lord. Pressed into living a Christ life outpoured. You know, as we go through trials, we do feel pressed with all the different things that come into our life and their difficulty and their hard. And as we looked at last week, how you respond to them can either produce good things or bad things. And here we should allow the pressing of these difficulties to lead us more to Jesus, to cause us to depend more on Jesus, and to ultimately bring us to a place where we're living a Christ life outpoured, saying, Lord, as you work in me and challenge me and comfort me, I want to be used to encourage others who are going through similar difficulties. Paul's now going to share with us some of the horrible suffering that he experienced and how he desperately needed the comfort of God in that. Verse 8. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, We had the sentence of death in ourselves that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us and whom we trust that he will still deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. Paul here shares or alludes to something he's gone through. We don't know the detail of what it is, but he does reveal the magnitude of the suffering that he went through. He reveals that it was something so horrible that they were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that they despaired even of life. What he was going through, and we went through Acts, and there were times that he was stoned and beaten and tortured, and you know, so there could have been many different instances, but this particular one, whatever he's referring to, is one where he thought, you know what, we're going to die. This is so bad that we think our life is going to end, and yet in the midst of that, 
God brought the comfort that was needed. God was there with him and those he was with to bring comfort. And notice what they did. They didn't trust in themselves. Instead, they trusted in God who can raise the dead. They trusted in the one who was there to bring them the comfort that they needed. And we're told that God delivered them from this difficult situation. You know, I think it's important for us to understand that God knows what we can handle. He also knows what we can't handle. And there are times like this particular instance with Paul where, you know what, there's more than you can handle. And God says, I am going to completely deliver you from what you're dealing with because this is too much. And then there are times when it's not too much. And we kind of want deliverance. We pray for deliverance. But God says, no, I want to walk with you through this. I want to use this to strengthen you and encourage you and to comfort you. I'll be with you in the midst of this. But you can handle this as I'm by your side. So I'm not going to deliver you out of it. And I think we need to know that there's two of those things. And we need to trust that God knows what we truly can handle. Because sometimes we think, I can't handle this. I need to be delivered from this. And God says, no, I'll be with you. We're going to get through this together. I'm going to help you in every way that you need. We can do this. And I'm sure some of you right now are thinking, I'm done, Lord, with all the effects of Harvey. I I need to be delivered from this. Lord, just get me out of this. This is just too much. And if that's truly the case, then I believe God will deliver you. But if he doesn't, trust that he wants to walk you through this, that he can get you through this, that you can handle it as you depend upon him. And he wants to teach you things. And then he wants to use you to be able to comfort others as he takes you through this difficulty in your life. But notice what Paul says here. I love what he says. He says, who delivered us, speaking of the past, and does deliver us, speaking of the present, and in whom we trust will still deliver us, speaking of the future. When Paul looks at this, he recognizes God is a God who has delivered us. And I have so many different ways I could share with you, Corinthians, of God's deliverance. He's delivering us in the present, and we trust him to deliver us in the future. And I feel like this is such an important thing that we need to understand and that we often forget. You know, we so often forget the past faithfulness, the past deliverance, the past encouragement, the past strength, and the list goes on and on of the things that God does in our life. If you look at the nation of Israel and all the major things that God did, he would always have them make some big altar of stones or something so that when they looked at it, it was a reminder of, hey, this is what I did for you. Remember when I parted the Red Sea? Remember when I delivered you from Egypt? Remember when I did these different things? So many of the feasts and so many of the things that they do is to remind them of God's faithfulness in the past. Why? Because we so often forget it. As Jesus says to us, take communion regularly. Well, how can we forget the sacrifice of Jesus? Well, I know how forgetful you are, so you need to regularly remember. And so God wants us to remember his past faithfulness. Why? Because when we don't remember the past faithfulness, it hinders us from trusting in him in our present suffering and to believe that in the future he'll come through as well. But when we remember the past, remember what he's done, all of a sudden there's a confidence and trust that, you know what, God did it before, I know he can do it again, and I actually believe he will do it now as I'm in this. And I am confident as I go through something like this again in the future, he will be there faithful as well to help me through it. But you know, the first time that you struggle with things, it can be hard to actually put your trust uh, in that. And I know, I remember when I was first a missionary on support, and it was the first month that my support was low, and I'm starting to freak out, thinking, you know, how am I going to pay my bills, and, you know, what's going to happen? And then God provides, you know, provides very w- well for me. And then the next time that I dealt with that, and there was a low month of support, there was a little bit of a difference. Not a huge one. I wish there was a huge one, but, oh, you know, he did do that a few months back, and then he provided again. And it's he continued to do that, it was so beneficial to be looking back and saying, you know what? Hey, because there was a point where we lost a huge amount of support and we could look back and say, God's always been faithful. For seven years, he's provided every single month. We can be confident he'll continue to do that. But you know, that past reminder is so important to really believe that God can deal with these things in the present. 
So God delivered Paul from that horrible situation. But notice Paul says there was something that helped in the deliverance, and it's great. Notice verse 11. You also helping together in prayer for us, that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. Paul says, you know what? God was there. He strengthened. He comforted us in this. But there was another group that helped, and that was you believers. And how did you help? You prayed. And this is something that I think is so important for us to remember that prayer is one of the best ways that we can bring comfort. As I just shared, there's a depth of comfort that only comes because you've been through a situation and God has got you through the other side and you now can share that with people. But when you haven't been through that situation and you don't have that kind of experience to share, you can still pray. Because God can still work and God still will work. You know, through this week, I've been doing a lot of work in homes and talking with different people. And there are those who are older or just not physically able to get in and muck out houses and rebuild. And, and I've heard several just say, you know, I wish I could be doing that. I wish I could help so-and-so. And I think that's sincere and great. But remember, even if you can't physically get into a home and rip out sheetrock or put in whatever... You can still pray. You can still minister to the spiritual needs, which are just as important as ministering to the practical and physical needs. And, you know, as the church, we have that unique uh, responsibility and ability to do that because there's a lot of people who aren't believers who are getting in and working on homes, but they're not able to meet the spiritual needs. And so praying for people is just such an important thing that we can do, um, and we need it. Paul recognized, you know, we look at his life, and I love the fact that he regularly asked for prayer, but you think, man, this guy had it together. He was such a a, a bold person. He was such a, a great evangelist and teacher, but yet he realized, I need prayer. I need people coming and praying for me. And even times he said, I need prayer for boldness. Like, boldness, man, you're the most bold person in the, in the Bible besides Jesus. No, this guy prays, I need people to pray for me for boldness. And we recognize he needs prayer, you need prayer, I need prayer, and this is a great thing that we can do for people who are going through difficulty. Well, Paul ends this chapter a little bit shifting gears here, but you know he wants to share why he hasn't come to those in Corinth. They were struggling with that. And I think ultimately it falls in with what he's saying because it does bring comfort to them as he tells them, hey, here's why I haven't come. And I know you're upset that I haven't come, but let me clarify some things with you. So let's see what he has to say here, starting in verse 12. For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but with the grace of God and more abundantly toward you. We are not writing any other things than you, than what you read or understand. Now I trust you will understand even to the end, as also you have understood us in part that we are your boast as also as you also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. One of the problems that many of the Corinthians had with Paul, if you remember at the end of uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul says, hey, I want to come and see you guys. I'm planning on coming to see you guys. And so that was how he left that letter of, I'm coming for a visit. And he hasn't come yet. And so people responded with, well, Paul's not reliable. You can't trust his words. He said he was coming. He never did. And so it brought some issues that people had uh, against Paul because of the fact that he hasn't been there yet. And so he says, you know what? We conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom. You know, as we noted with Corinth, you know, they were surrounded by a lot of sinful people who I'm sure used fleshly wisdom, manipulation, said things they didn't mean. And they're probably thinking, you know what, Paul, you're just another one of those people. You're not coming. You're claiming you would. You haven't shown up. And so they got uh, an issue with that. And Paul's saying, hey, no, that's that's not me. That's not how I do things. We are not writing any other things to you than what you read or understand. There's no hidden meanings. I didn't claim to want to come, but not really wanted to come. I truly and sincerely wanted to be with you. So why didn't he come? Well, he goes on to reveal why he didn't come. Verse 15. And in this confidence, I intended to come to you before that you might have a second benefit to pass by the way of you to Macedonia, to come again from Macedonia to you and be helped by you on my way to Judea. Therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? 
Or the things I plan, do I plan according to the flesh, that with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no? But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. So Paul says, you know what? I intended to come to you guys. I intended to visit you. That was my plan. Uh, as I passed through Macedonia, I wanted to come and, and have that special time with you, but I didn't. Now, he gives us a reason for why he didn't. In uh, chapter 2, verse 1, we're told, I would not come again to you in sorrow. Paul's first time in Corinth was a time full of sorrow. He saw a lot of things that were problematic, as we saw in 1 Corinthians, all the issues that were there. And so it really wasn't a pleasant time with them. There was a lot of sorrow within the encounter that they had. And he's like, you know what? As I wanted to come to you again, I didn't want it to be another experience like the last time. I wanted to come and bring comfort. I didn't want there to be this sorrow. Uh, and so he goes on to say in verse 17, Therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things I planned, do I plan according to the flesh that with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no? But as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. Paul basically throws out two questions to kind of show uh, defense of why he hasn't yet come. He says, you know, when I was planning to visit you, did I do it lightly? Absolutely not. I wasn't just flippantly saying, oh, yeah, I'd like to come. I don't really have any intention. I got all these other places I want to go. No, when he said, I want to be with you, he was sincere. He was planning that. He was hoping that that would happen, but he was also always willing to be directed by God in the different places that we would go. I don't plan things according to the flesh that with me, no means yes and yes means no. You know, it's like, I don't say that. I'm not claiming something, oh, I'll be there and then I don't come for, you know, because I don't want to. It's like, that's not the way that I do things. Verse 19, for the son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus and Timothy was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now he who established us with you in Christ and has appointed us to God, we also, who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Paul said, hey, we preach Jesus. And Jesus was always a man of his word. And he was always, yes, if he said he was going to do it, he would do it. And Paul is basically alluding to the principle that the message affects the messenger. You know, I follow Jesus. I preach him. You know, I seek to become like him. I'm not some guy who just says, oh, yes, I'm going to do it. And no, I don't do it. Jesus has affected me. He's a man of his word. I'm a man of my word. And I wish that you would have recognized that reality and understood that that truly wasn't me just saying I wanted to come, but I had no intention of doing it. And now he finally clarifies why he hasn't come. Verse 23. Moreover, I call God as a witness against my soul that to spare you, I came no more to Corinth. Not that we have dominion over our faith, but our fellow workers for your joy. For by faith you stand, but I determined that within myself, I would not come again to you in sorrow. For if I make you sorrowful, then he who has made me glad, but the one who is made sorrowful by me. So Paul says, you know what, God's my witness against my soul here. I'm taking a serious oath claiming I truly did intend to come to you, but the ultimate reason I didn't come was because I didn't want to come again like the first time in sorrow. I wanted to make sure that when I did come, there would be a very different time that we would have uh, and that we would be blessed by it and I could comfort you in it. And so in this first section, Paul's main focus is comfort and suffering. He encourages us, you know what? God is a God of all comfort. He doesn't just console you. He exhorts you. He encourages you. He is there to strengthen you for whatever you're going through. And he also allows you to go through difficulty and he comforts you in the midst of it for the purpose of you then going out and being able to comfort others with the comfort that you have been given. And one of the reasons God comforts us that way is because he just loves us and wants to use us and have us be a part of things with him. And Paul says, you know what, if you want to comfort me, there's another way to do it, to pray. And so we can pray for one another as well to bring comfort. And I just want to pray right now and then take a time just to worship the Lord. As Paul starts this, blessed be the God of all comfort. And I hope, you know, as we started with, you know, last week, 
we should praise God regardless of what we're going through. But I hope as, as you've been going through these difficulties that you've seen more and more what God has done and is doing to strengthen and encourage and help you in the midst of it. And just as Paul said, blessed be the God who comforts us in our tribulation, who's there for us and who deserves our praise and our worship. And so let's pray. And as I'm praying, I'll have the worship team come on up and uh, we'll just take a time to worship the Lord. Father, I'm just so grateful for your comfort, and we need it so desperately. And Lord, I don't know where we would be without you and without these comforts that you bring, especially in times like this. And so we are grateful. We are grateful that you are always with us, that you never leave us or forsake us. And God, we are grateful that the lessons that we learn are not wasted, Lord, that you can not only teach us things for our personal benefit, but yet we can use that to encourage others and be a blessing to others and a comfort to others. And I pray that as you do teach us and as you do work in us and as you do get us through the struggles and difficulties of life, Lord, specifically of recent, Lord, just the the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey, Lord, I just pray that you would just show us ways in which we now can encourage others and use what you're teaching us and doing in us and strengthening us to go alongside of other people who are struggling and encourage them with what you've done with confidence, knowing that you'll do that for them just like you've done that for us, Lord. And so help us to see the opportunity that is before us to not just wallow in our own misery of what we're going through, but to see what you want to do in us and how you want to use us uh, in the midst of all of this, Lord. And so we are just grateful that you were always there to help uh, in times of difficulty, Father. So we just, we want to respond, Lord. We want to praise you for it. We want to thank you for it, uh, for you are truly worthy of that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you that we can put our trust and our faith in you, Lord. Lord, and that we have to fear nothing and no one. Father, for you are with us. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? I will wait for you. I will wait for you. I will wait for you. I will Goodness of the Lord. 
The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? I will trust. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. confident in this. I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. I will Lord, we know that you have been faithful. Lord, we know you will be again. Lord, you've always been faithful. And Father, we ask that you give us just um, a hope and a trust in you, Father, that we can look back at what you've done, Lord. We can look at how you've um, provided, Lord, how you've been so merciful and just trust that you will be again, Lord. We do know that you never change, Father, that you are the same today forever as you were yesterday, Lord. So would we trust you, Lord? Would you help us to put all of our faith and hope in you, Jesus? We love you, Lord. We said, we said our hope on you. We said our hope on your love. We said our hope on the one who is the everlasting God, you are the everlasting God. We said, we said our hope on you. We said our hope on your love. We said our hope on the one who is the everlasting God, you are the everlasting God. We praise you, Jesus. We lift your name, Lord. We said, we said our hope on you. We said our hope on your love. We said our hope on the one who is the everlasting God.
Father, we are just grateful that you are the one who brings us comfort. We are regularly in need of it, and we're grateful that this morning, I'm confident, Lord, you have brought comfort to us. And so we thank you for that, Lord. We love you. We praise you. And we just pray for your strength for another day. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to share a couple of announcements um, today. If anyone is available, uh, the Crabtrees need some help moving stuff from their house. If you have a truck especially, uh, that would be beneficial. Uh, Ray is putting in more sheetrock into his house, so if anyone wants to help with that, uh, there's availability for that. Um, so those are two options. But um, we have a team of three from California showing up, flying in on Tuesday. Uh, they'll be staying with me because they're not having a vehicle since they're flying, so I'll be driving them around. Uh, but then on Friday, we have another team of Right now, it's four. He's trying to get more guys. Uh, and so those who uh, have written down that you're willing to host, that's what I'm waiting on them. They're, he said today he's going to talk with them since they're at church together. And hopefully tonight I will get a final number. Uh, and so Friday nights they'll be coming in, and they're going to stay to the following Saturday. Uh, so we have some opportunity uh, to just hopefully bless people. And get these are all going to be rebuilding projects. Um, so um, we're going to be doing that. But if you want to help any this week or especially on Saturdays, whatever, uh, let me know, uh, and you can get, be a part of you know what's going to be happening through this week and doing that. So God bless you guys, and have a great week.